This is DTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers. I'm Dr. Gina Rhodes. Let's get started. This week on TTLT, we have Heather Reichmuth, and she's talking to us about email etiquette, and she's giving us lots of great tips on how to use email with our students. Heather and I met when she was my student at the University of Southern California, and she has gone on to do some amazing things, and she's now working on her dissertation. I couldn't be prouder. So let's hear more from Heather and learn more about all the things that she's doing, and especially learn about email etiquette. Here we go. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thanks. I had to come. I had to leave the house. I'm at Traverse Pie Company. It's like a little cafe. Um, but I think it'll be okay. Is it okay? I, I do hear background noise. Um, yeah, I tried canceling it out. I was just playing with the um, with the uh, audio. Yeah, audio thing. That's why I logged in early. Should I wear my headphones? I did bring headphones. Um, it might help. See what it, see what happens. Yeah, it's just too cold here to go outside and play. Hi, Heather. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Gina. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. I am so excited that you are here to talk to us today at TTLT. And we're going to start by asking you to tell us just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm really honored to be here. Um, thank you for the invitation. And um, yeah, so a little bit about me. I spent 15 years teaching English as a foreign language in South Korea. Um, I have experienced teaching almost every grade, basically. Um, but the majority of my time I spent kind of half in high schools, about six, six to seven years in high schools, and also approximately six to seven years at the university level. And now, right now, I'm doing my PhD in teacher education at Michigan State University. And I know Gina because I did my master's degree in TESOL at USC. Yeah, and you were one of my star students. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, um, we're really happy that you're here with us today and talk to us about email etiquette. And I know this is a, an issue that many of us have with our students. So I, uh, I would like you to start by giving us your definition of email etiquette. What is it? What do you mean by that? So what I mean by um, email etiquette is more kind of formal email writing, kind of taking a structure of a formal, I guess in the past before email, it would have been a little bit more of the structure of a kind of formal letter and kind of giving that tool to students. Um, so basically, Years ago, I started noticing students sending me emails about being late for class or, you know, missing class. But I was, it, it many times was very frustrating to know who the student was, which class that they were in, um, even, even to the, sometimes also it was an issue of like how they were requesting things as well, um, like tone in the emails as well. And so I started thinking, you know, this is something that's really important because my students are not only 
my students, but they're also going to be somebody else's students and they're, they all want jobs. And at least in South Korea, it's really important, like a lot of these jobs that, and companies that they work for are working with people in international settings. And if they cannot write a proper email, this could really negatively affect them, even in their future job, in their future jobs and also in their own advancement. So I thought that this was a really important skill that students really needed to know because they want to, I want them to succeed. I wanted my students to succeed. They want to succeed. So why not help them <laughs> with some tools to, to give them those tools of success? So. Well, I think that's excellent. Yeah. So those are very important um, tools for our students to be able to use um, for their for their courses and also, as you mentioned, for their future success. So I think it's great that you have done this. And um, what you mentioned some of the issues surrounding etiquette when you were, your students were emailing you. Was there any other um, issues that you'd like to talk about? Um, well, I mean, sometimes like students also, like they had, I guess it depends on the institution where you're working at. But there are also things like um, maybe the email, like who was sending it. It was also very, very cryptic, you know, like they had numbers or strange like cherry, like there's a cherry picture behind me. So like cherry at gmail.com. Well, I don't know who cherry is. So, you know, it, not only was there no name in the, in the email body, but there was also this ambiguous sender as well. So this was also making it really challenging. Yeah, I, I've had similar issues um, with my students, uh, so I completely understand. So how did you teach your students about email etiquette? Yeah, so I worked with another colleague of mine, Joyce Beck, who uh, we wrote an article together, which Gina was providing for you. Um, and we worked together and we, I, we both kind of um, did a similar lesson together. So I'll share with you now the, um, the website. Well, I'll share with you my screen and you can take a look at. Great. At the lesson. Oh. So you'll have access to this from the website that Gina sent you. So we wrote a TESOL Connections article because I think this is a really important um, topic. And so I wanted to put it out there so lots of you know English teachers could have this access to this. So what we start out by doing, actually I would start the class and start saying, you know, talking to the students about why I was teaching this. And this would usually happen at the beginning of the semester. I didn't want it to continue. I didn't want to keep getting emails throughout the whole semester you know, not knowing who the students were. So I thought this was like really essential to do at the beginning of the school year. And I was lucky at the university I was at, we had a computer lab where students could sit down and they could do it together. But I think this could be also adopted in other contexts as well, even if teachers aren't in a place that has a writing lab, like a, a computer lab, or, you know, maybe send students to the library, or you can do this by hand as well, if you're in a location where internet is not something that is easily accessible. So I think it's adoptable. But so I would talk to them and say to them, you know, what if I said to the president of this university, if I wrote them an email saying, hey, it's me, you're the, the teacher who teaches the English class. I want to raise now, <laughs> you know? And all the students, of course, are laughing. Obviously the president, one is not going to know who I am. 
which is probably a good thing if I said that to him. Um, and two, also they're not gonna like how I ask the question, right? So in this, in this lesson, I honestly, I, I focus not as much on tone. There's, there's some tone in here, but I think there's a lot you could do with this to focus on tone. But there are actually stems that I have in here to help with tone, but it, it's, it, you know, I kind of would say these things to them because I think it would help them think about relationships and hierarchy and how like I'm, I'm just the teacher, right? And the president of the university has more power than I do. And also the president's not gonna know who I am because I'm one of many, many English teachers at the university. So just to kind of give them that perspective, you know, of like what the professor's thinking as well. So, so I would share these first these kind of sample emails and I'd have students partner up with two or three other students depending on the size of the size of the class and give them some sample emails similar to ones that um, Joyce and I had both received in the past. So, right. oh, I, 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 yeah. I love the first one that's all caps. Yeah. Yes. I, I, exactly. And the sender is just basically numbers. <laughs> right. <awesome>. Ex <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's a cute little emoticon and lots oh, of yeah. exclamation that's, marks. That's great, but no name. <laughs> Right, exactly, and exactly. And you know, I, I, I wanna say like, I don't want the students to not feel familiar with us, but I also think that they should know also how to do it properly, right? Obviously, later on, if they sent me emoticons, I was happy, but I wanted them to know <laughs> that it wasn't like formal writing right. as well, right? So, so the students would look at these and discuss, you know, what are, what are the, what makes it easy to read this? like. What are, what are some things that are maybe problematic or confusing to the receiver? Um, and email number two, for those of you who can read Korean, maybe it's okay to know who the student's name is. Like I can read the student's name, but if I didn't know how to read in Korean, I would have no idea who this student was, right? And, and at a university, especially the one I was working at, there were so many international professors there that would have no idea who this student was. You know, and then there are a lot of, you can see in this one, there are a lot of typographical errors as well. So like the student didn't take any time to even, to really check. And also using a lot of um, like slang or, you know, inform, informal, informal yeah. writing, right? LP, uh, PLZ for please, yeah, that's yeah. not very professional. Not professional, <laughs> right. <laughs> and also if you don't really know the professor or you don't know the person you're sending it to, it can, it can, give a bad impression, right? And then this last one was, you know, kind of the best, best, you know, um, example, right? Because the student has their first and last name, they have their student ID number, which at our university, they were supposed to include, obviously every university is different. Um, and they also said which class that they were in, which makes it really helpful for an instructor to know who their student is, like, because at least for myself, I was teaching four different courses of students, right? So I would be able then to know who they were. And then they said they apologize, they say why they're writing. And they also said that they got the homework on their own <laughs> and they attached it. And they said that they attached the file, which is really helpful to know, then you know to look for that file, right? And then sincerely, and then their full name. I completely appreciate that they got the homework from one of their <laughs> classmates. And what, right? yeah, that's. <laughs> That's one thing I constantly encourage my students to do. Like, it's not my job to get you the homework. Everyone else in the class had it too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you can see on this um, the second page here, the students with their partner, they can 
make a list of do's and don'ts. So you're not really even really teaching them. I mean, you're teaching them, but you're not like standing there lecturing them. You're actually letting them discover for themselves, you know, things that you should and shouldn't do in a formal, formal email. And then they can make extra notes that they might have with their partner. Okay. And then on the following page, there's what to include in an email. So sender your full name in English if possible. Now I know some of these students, they had set up their accounts a long time ago and maybe they don't want to, or they can't, you know, change the name and the sender block. And, you know, maybe their English teacher is not the only person that they email probably. Although these days, I don't know how many people are emailing as well. So young people, I don't know. So <laughs> you might be the only one they're emailing. I don't know. Um, then subject line tells, Tell the professor what the email is about without opening it. And this is really important because professors, I think teachers, even a company that you're sending an email to, if you're sending an email to the company, they want to know how ur urgent is it, right? And what it is before they open it. You know, um, so it's quite important. So label, it's the homework from May 15th. Then the teacher knows, okay, when I open this email, I know this is Jin Sucks Late homework and I'll grade it today and I'll grade it now and I can just open it. So, you know, paragraph writing, absent from class, scheduling a meeting. So each time it just makes it much easier for the instructor to know what they're looking at or anybody who's receiving this email. And then a proper greeting. Um, in some of those emails, there was no greeting, but sometimes I got things like, hi, Heather. And that's fine if you want to feel, if you feel friendly and familiar with your students, but not everyone's going to feel that way, right? And especially if you're contacting somebody for the first time, it's important to use, you know, like their title and either their first and last name or just their last name. Yeah, I completely agree that especially at the beginning of the semester, students should be sending things formally, practicing that. And then if they get to know you and, and you they've asked the professor, is it all right if I you know, use your first name. That's what we use in class. You know, is that okay if I address you that way in emails? That's completely different than doing it the first time. Right, right, exactly. It's a little shocking, right, the other way. Self and then a self introduction. So say who you are, right? I'm Cindy Lee. This is my ID number and I'm in this class of yours. Or, you know, their name again and which time period that they're in the class. You know, some kind of way so the instructor, the person that they're contacting knows who they are. And then a reason for writing. I'm writing to ask you about yesterday's homework. I'm writing because I'd like to know what I missed in class today. So these kind of sentence starters kind of help the students, right, with practicing that. I wanted to let you know that and then whatever it happens to be. I'd like to ask you a question about my midterm score. Yeah, and these are awesome sentence stems. I think that, that not enough time sometimes is spent on teaching students the correct stem to start a sentence. And once they know those stems, they can say almost anything. Right, it's really helpful, I think, giving them those tools. And then later on, they can always go back to this and they can take a look at it and like, oh yeah, how did I say that? Or how am I supposed to say that and start that? Um, because writing is one of those things that like there are so many, especially with this kind of thing, it's such a formality that, you know, it's kind of a pattern and knowing that pattern is so helpful. Okay, and then other, informa other information that they might want to add to the email. So a request for action, could you? So we have a lot more of, the, of these kind of um, could, would, please, Love it. right? Could you let me know when I need to prepare for the next class? 
I did not understand the homework. Can you please explain it to me again? May I make an appointment with you? When are you available to meet? Very polite and very useful. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, with like just thinking about language and culture, you know, depending on where, you know, where you're located and the students' cultures, you know, how we how we speak politely to others is different in different languages, right? So I think, you know, having these is really helpful because there might be other ways of showing politeness in their culture that might not be in words or in words in different ways. Um, so it might be more difficult and challenging to know how to say those polite terms in English. And it's something that has to be learned. And I don't know if it's always directly explained or not. So I think it's something important as well. Um, apologizing, You're, you might need, they might need to apologize. So again, more tools. I am sorry I was not able to attend class on Monday, May 1st. I was absent because I was very sick. Again, you can tell them it depends on the culture again how how explicit you want them to be <laughs> right I, we had put this in there because we don't need details in our personal point of view but just you were sick that's enough right yeah. i apologize for being absent <laughs> i completely agree sometimes they'll give me a whole paragraph about why why they were why they were out and who they were like why they needed to go and how sick they were and exactly you know where the pain was and i was like okay i get it I'm, Exactly, exactly. Also, yeah, sometimes I receive things about, you know, they have a hangover. Again, just tell me you were sick. <laughs> it's better that way. Exactly, yeah. You don't need to know how they got sick if, if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell your teacher that. <laughs> I know. You, you really don't need them to know that. Exactly, exactly. Unless you really, really know, you know them very well. Exactly. I was like, you're not supposed to tell me that. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> okay. And we got the point about the apologizing, but yeah. And then attaching files. I think this is also important because sometimes you can miss files that are there. You might not notice it. Although I think Google's better nowadays, and I think a lot of the systems are better than in the past, but it's still nice to alert. Also, writing it in you don't forget to attach it to, right? Because whenever you write, I've attached this, and then you send, and then usually you get a little message like, you didn't attach anything. You right? said you were gonna attach this, you didn't attach you it, didn't. yeah. And which is yeah. helpful, yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's helpful on their end too. Yeah, so I've attached a copy of my homework, please find the attached paragraph writing file, I've included my assignment. And then a closing, thank you for your time, thank you for your understanding, I appreciate your help, thank you. I appreciate your concern. Thank you. So some kind of thank you at the end to kind of wrap it up. And then their signature, sincerely or regards, and then their full name. Yeah. And I like that you have one example where they included their student number, which again is handy, especially if they didn't include it earlier in the in the message. It's um, useful to make sure that you got the right um, minho, because you might have three minhos in your class. Exactly. I was just I was just going to say that exactly. Some students have similar names and it's really important, especially if you're grading something, that you don't make that mistake, right? You think it's one minho, but it's a different minho. Yeah. And another thing I I have with my students is I, I normally, like, if if they use an English name in class, which I don't 
think is necessary at all, but some of them prefer to. But if I'm used to calling them Cherry in class, and then they sign this, and the, they never mention Cherry in this message, they only say Min Ho, and I'm like, okay, but who's Min Ho? I don't have a Min Ho that I, that I know in class, yeah. or I might have three on the roster, but they all go by Cherry and Daisy, and so, uh, so I'm still confused <laughs> as to which Min Ho this is because they don't use that name in my class. So it's important to include all your names that are used. <laughs> yes, that's a great point, Gina. Yeah, I would ask students that as well to include all their names because I had some Chinese students who were going by Korean names and English names, which got really confusing. It was too many names. Um, <laughs> so I said, just write down all the names, but most important, importantly on your assignments, put your ID number so I can be sure 100% <laughs> who you are. Exactly. Yeah. The last thing you want is for, you know, for this, the, you've taken this time to send this message to your teacher to get them to realize that you're going to be absent. And then um, they give the exception to another student and not you. So, um, that would be, um, that's bad when that happens. Yes, exactly, exactly. So then at the end, there was kind of like another example with all of this kind of written out. And then you could have the students also practice this. So you could do different things. I use this as a way to also get to know the students. So it's a little bit, some of them will get a little confused. So you can choose what you wanna do. I use it as a way to also get to know them so because it was again the beginning of the semester um so what i did was had them write an email to introduce themselves to the teacher so they had to provide basic information such as their class major etc so they would be following all these formats all this formatting but they wouldn't be saying that they were sick or something like that basically they would be doing the subject line, the greeting, their self-introduction, why they're writing, and then after this part, they would be talking about themselves, and then they'd attach a file, you'll see in a minute, and then they close and do a signature. So sometimes some of them do get a little confused by that, so you have to be a little bit clear about it when you're explaining it, but they're going to, they provide basic information about themselves, which is their name, class major, tell the professor something interesting or funny about yourself so I can remember him or her, explain what the strengths and weaknesses are when it comes to, are for you when it comes to English, give a detailed explanation of what you would like to improve this semester in English, and attach a recent um, photo. Follow the formal email writing format, use the expressions given and what to include in your email. So that is this. That's a great follow-up assignment. I think that's perfect to then and then you've got all that information. If they forget in the future email, at least you can go back to that email and say, okay, what, who was Cherry again? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And then you can exactly. say, Cherry, did you forget what we learned at the beginning of the semester? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And sometimes I was like, um, don't you remember? <laughs> exactly. And then I also provided a checklist, right? So that they so can go again. Like checklist. I said, sometimes they get a little confused. So. So did they include everything in the subject line, the greeting, self-introduction? You could you could even adjust this to your own, you know, classes. You can make it shorter. Just put, is there a greeting? <laughs> is there a subject line? Maybe I made it more complicated than it needs to be. But basically, right, to let them check the box that they fulfilled all those things, and then they email it to me, 
and then I would, you know, rate it basically. And how I would grade it, assess it, is basically did they include all those things? It wasn't about their grammar or, you know, things like that. As long as they tried their best, you know, um, I don't think even I make grammatical errors. I don't think something has to be 100% perfect. It has to be understandable. This is my own personal philosophy. It has to be comprehensible and there has to be effort made. And these days, so many email systems do underline in red or blue if, if it's awkward, like a grammar, if it's sentence is awkward, it goes in blue, so they could just double check it. If it's underlined in red, you know, check it. My last name is always underlined in red, but they should at least check because you also don't want to spell somebody's name incorrectly, right? <laughs> so, you know. Especially not your professor if you're practicing right. writing formal emails. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, but, you know, I also alerted them to that because I don't know, I wasn't sure necessarily if Korean does that or if Chinese does that. You know, I'm not really sure if their the programs do that with that, those languages. So I wanted to alert their attention to why that was happening and that my name would do that no matter what they did, <laughs> unless they changed my name altogether. So, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was also something that was important um, to kind of let them kind of think about. And so I was also thinking about, yeah, when when they're looking at the emails and they're talking about it, I also, I forgot this, I also had them talk about, like, what does formal email writing look like in, in Korean culture or in Chinese culture as well? So I forgot that that was something that we also did at the beginning as well, talked about that, had discussions around that. So it really just kind of helped them focus on, like, what was happening, like, what, what I was expecting and what they were looking at and kind of... You know, obviously there's formalities in Korean, there are formalities in Chinese and other languages and cultures, right? So just kind of gearing them into like making those connections between, yes, in you know, my language, there's this formality. Also in English, there's a formality that we should follow. Excellent. Well, I think this is great. And um, as you mentioned, um, we are definitely going to have the link to this article in the notes so that um, everyone who's um, listening or watching right now can have this article and, and use it with their students. I think it's fabulous. Uh, were there any um, specific, uh, how do I wanna say, um, so any things that you found that were especially, um, let's see, I'm just gonna start over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what changes did you notice in your students' writing after you have taught your, them about email etiquette? Did you notice overall change in their writing or just in their emails? Oh, I don't think it, that's a great question. Um, I was thinking more about their, when you started asking the question and I was predicting, um, I was thinking about their emails. Overall, I'd say about their emails, definitely. You know, the whole class, it was an academic English class. So we did focus on writing throughout the whole semester. You know what I mean? And this was kind of mm -hmm. an earlier assignment. But I think, you know, it, it, it helped get them started on the ideas of writing and, you know, about the ideas of structure. Um, I'm trying to think, I did do it both semesters. Um, first and second semester. So even in second semester, we would typically do more essay writing. But again, I think it was a good warm-up exercise, even for, for students who, you know, had already had experience with paragraph writing. I think it was a great way to kind of warm up in the semester, to start kind of like with a small kind of writing exercise when it was about themselves, but also about some structure as well. 
So I think it was really, really helpful in that way. And and you did notice a change in their email writing after the, yes. this. Yeah. Yes, and definitely got a lot more like names and <laughs> it wasn't always perfect, but at least I knew who it was the majority of the time. <laughs> That's great. Well, I think this is fabulous. And like I said, we're going to make sure that our um, our our listeners are um, able to get the link to the article. Was there anything else that you'd like to add about um, email etiquette? No, it's just something that I think is important to teach because I think it's something that sometimes as teachers are like, why are they sending us nicer, like better emails? Or why is it so informal, right? And I think it's something that sometimes we're complaining about, but we actually have the tools and the keys to empower our students <laughs> right. to actually do to do it properly. And I don't think that they're doing it, you know, because they have some kind of, I don't know. What Malicious I don't know. intent. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd say like the student would be like demanding something and then I see the student who would be like really sweet and really like, hi teacher. And I'm like, I don't think she meant to say it like that, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> So yeah, giving them the tools is really important and that's our job as teachers, as educators to do that, so. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's much better for us to, as you said, empower them and give them the tools than to just complain that they don't do it the way you would like them to do it. And exactly. that's what I hear a lot of, you know, when we get into the um, teacher breakout, the teacher room and we go, like, oh, why do they always do that? I'm like, well, it might be because you haven't taught them not to. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, all right. Well, thank you so much for that, Heather. And can you tell us what projects you're working on right now? Oh my gosh, what projects? Um, so many, well, my right? dissertation. I know. Right? <laughs> Your dissertation. That's important. And can that's you tell really us what you tell us a little bit about your dissertation? What you're working oh, on? Oh yeah, sure. So um, I'm really interested. Um, after well, so I left Korea, and um, I married my husband's Korean, and we have a child, and. I mean, before even that, I mean, being a language teacher, I've been interested in language and language learning and all that. And, you know, after having her, there was, you know, we obviously wanted to give her two languages because I struggled all the time with Korean. My husband struggled with English and we know this, like just how hard it is. So we thought it'd be amazing to just teach her, you know, two languages when she's a baby and how amazing it'll be and how great for her and all these things. And it's really hard. <laughs> it's a really hard thing. It sounds perfect before you have a child and <laughs> and I mean people do it right but it's really challenging it's really a lot of effort needed but I'm really interested in like how families are doing it and you know and and those challenges and also um yeah especially in families like our own that are intermarried intercultural you know just looking at like how like the families practice also culture and how family members negotiate language and culture and just kind of our um yeah so all those kind of interesting and exciting things kind of come together and you know like how kids perceive languages in the home and whether they want to hear them or not like in our own experience when my husband when we moved to the u.s before that my daughter's first words were korean but after we moved here she didn't want to hear korean anymore like when my husband would speak korean to her she'd like walk away or close the door on him you know so like all these different things were happening in this new environment and so i think it's really interesting to see and think about you know i think there's especially in t cell there's such an emphasis on 
only learning English, which is important, right? It, it opens opportunities and different things, but also, you know, I think in like, for example, the US, you know, a lot of kids are not maintaining like Spanish or Korean, which is really too bad because they could be, they can, they could continue to grow in their Spanish or their Korean and be bilingual. But a lot of kids, you know, are just kind of leaving those other languages or losing those other languages. There's a shift and then they don't know how to speak Spanish or Korean or Chinese. And so like people like myself, who's like my grandparents immigrated from Italy, I don't know, Italian, I had to study Italian, you know? And so, but it, it wasn't something that I, I learned from the, from the home. So, right. so that's kind of what I'm interested in. Like, how do we help kids? How do we change perspectives? And how do we think about these things for, okay. um, for children, right? So that they could be proud of their languages and use their multiple languages. Excellent. Well, I'm, I know that we're all looking forward to um, the end of the dissertation. I know you are <laughs> looking forward to be over, but we're looking forward to reading it once it's finished. <laughs> Thank you. And, I'm not looking forward to writing it all. But yes. <laughs> well, I know you're still in the early stages, um, but it'll be great when it's done. Trust me, it feels fabulous once they finally tell you, okay, it is finished. And then the weight is off your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> and then the new fun begins, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, you've written you've written some articles and you've done some research related to this topic. I know you've written some articles uh, talking specifically to women in similar situations to yours who have um, married Korean men, lived in Korea, that sort of thing. Um, and um, have you provided us with links to those articles? Oh, I didn't think about that. Um, I can though, I can. That I would be fabulous. Can. I think yeah. that our listeners might really be interested in, in some of the research that you're already doing uh, or have okay. done in the past. That would be great. And where can teachers find you if they do have oh. questions about sure. email Any etiquette or or anything um, or they can teaching bilingual that. kids <laughs> oh yeah i can send a link um i can provide that to you gina i can give you uh -huh. my email address i also have another article that you that people might be interested in um mm -hmm. it's autoethnography i don't know if, or collaborative autoethnography i don't know if how many people are familiar with that kind of um data collection but it's basically um it i worked with a a korean graduate student she's now a professor um this is a couple years ago now, but we had a paper published this last year, and it's discussing our experiences, our um, teaching and living in Korea, and also teaching and living in the U.S. And kind of how, in the article, we talk about the notion of becoming a teacher, and how mm -hmm. the notion of becoming a teacher looks differently in the Korean context. So we're kind of like pushing, pushing back against Western ideas of what it means to be a teacher and what it means to become a teacher and the evolution of teachers. So kind of drawing on our own experiences of that. So that might be something else that that's amazing. Might also be interested in. That. Definitely, yes. Definitely send us the uh, the links to all of these things. Everything. I think you're our list. Of course, send us everything. <laughs> and um, I think that um, our. Our participants will love to hear all of these things and we uh, really wish you well on your dissertation writing. I know that it's a long process <laughs> and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today about 
um, email etiquette and um, sharing your experience with us, your 15 years of teaching in Korea. I think that's a fabulous experience to draw from. And we do hope that you'll come back after the dissertation is finished and you have more time to to relax and enjoy life. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I had a great time today. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you. All right. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. So I'm going to stop. Wow. She had a lot of great ideas. I don't know about you, but I've always had um, issues with my students until I teach them differently about uh, how to write a proper email. So I think that Heather has done a great job of outlining how she does the process and how she um, works with her students to empower them to write emails properly. And that's our first top teaching tip, empowering your students to write the emails properly. So instead of complaining that they don't know how, it's our job as their teachers to um, give them the tools so that they can uh, learn how to properly write the emails and write them the way we would like them to write so that not only while they're a student, they're writing them properly, but also when they go out into the world, whether they're writing it in English or even in some other languages, having those skills for writing uh, email in a professional way is a great skill to teach your students and they're, they'll take that with them throughout their lives. So it's a great thing to take the time to teach your students and it's gonna make your life so much easier as a teacher. Um, and I love that she said that they talk about how formal writing is done in their own culture. It's always great to compare and contrast the culture of your students. So have them discuss what does a formal letter look like? What does a formal email look like in your own culture? And now let's look at what it, what it looks like when we're doing it in English. So I think that that was great. I love also another top teaching tips as she provided lots of examples of good and bad emails and had the students look at them and say, oh, what's wrong with this? Um, what, what's the problem with this email? What can we do to uh, improve this email and have them look at it and create the list of things to do and things to not do. That list of do's and don'ts, especially when the students are creating it, is a very powerful tool for our students. Um, and as she mentioned, you want to carefully explain the follow-up assignment. I think the main thing to remember is that when they were going through how to write an email, the purpose of many of the emails that her students were writing was to say, I'm going to miss class or I don't understand the homework. So they were discussing a problem, but the assignment she wanted them to do didn't have a problem in it necessarily. It was more of an introduction. So I think it's really important to make that clear if you do give your students this type of assignment, which I recommend, that when after you teach them about how to write um, an email to their teacher, then of course you give them the assignment of writing an email to their teacher, right? So, um, so yeah, so make sure it's clear though that they don't need to um, have a question, that they don't need to apologize for anything. So I think that that needs to be very clear in the assignment. And uh, the last thing that I wanted us to talk about is that um, we, when you do the link to this um, particular um, 
The last thing I wanted to mention while we're talking about this uh, article that she discussed is when you download the article, you need to click on the link that I'm going to provide you. And it has a great summary of the article. And then the actual article is um, a PDF that you can download and have. And you need to also um, download the appendix. And the appendix is what she was looking at. If you were watching the video, she was looking at the appendix um, during the video. So she was going through all of those activities that she did with her students. So those are great examples that you could edit um, for your students and, and create examples that are similar to what you've seen with your students and issues that you have with your students. But I thought that the, that appendix was a great um, way to organize the lesson. And I thought that you, I, I, if I were teaching this lesson, I would look at the appendix and edit those activities to, um, in order to teach how to uh, write an email properly to my students. So I just wanted to point that out. All right. Don't forget that this month, uh, I will be leading the workshop on engaging with Goose Chase. So this month um, I will be uh, talking, um, it's next week's episode, I believe, yes. I'll be talking about um, Goose Chase and engaging with Goose Chase. And then I'll be doing two workshops about Goose Chase. And again, these are the same workshop. I'm doing it twice just so that um, those of you in different time zones will be able to participate in a better time. So choose the one that fits your time zone best. All right, so we're gonna do the one Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then we're gonna do another one on Saturday morning, um, May 29th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we have one on Thursday, May 27th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then another one of the same workshop on Saturday, May 29th at 9 a.m. 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we hope that you will see you at one of these two workshops. And another amazing workshop that's coming up is one with Alma and Aid and Ism. And another amazing workshop that we have coming up is one with Alma and Isabel. They're gonna be talking to us about becoming authors, okay? Another amazing workshop that's coming up is one with Alma and Isabel. They're gonna be doing a workshop about creating authors in your classroom. That's gonna be really powerful. I'm really looking forward to this workshop. And this is Saturday, June 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we hope to see you there. And of course, you can sign up for this and all TTLT events at the TTLT dot uh, org slash events website um, on our and you can sign up for this and all TTL and of course you cannot sign up for this and all TTLT events on our website uh, just click on events and everything that's coming up will be on our website. So click on this event and register through Zoom. And we hope to see you at this event. 
And of course, don't forget about TTLT Talks. We're really excited about um, the, this. we're really excited about all the teachers who have been coming to our TTLT Talks and are uh, taking the time to discuss with their colleagues about the issues that are issues for us as teachers. So come and participate in this month's talk topics. Um, we're going to be talking on May 29th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Saturday, May 29th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'll be talking about the topics that matter to you and your students. So come and discuss with us and help us choose the topic for next month. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. I think I'm going to do this again. You can decide which one you want to use. All right. Okay. So, and of course, you can follow us at um, on our website at ttlt.org. You can send us an email at ttltinfo at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group if you haven't already at TTELT. And of course, follow us on Instagram at t.telt and on Twitter at TTELT1. We hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Oh, fun. <laughs> Thank you for editing, Kira. Did I mention that you're awesome? I thought I might, or I could even say Kira rocks, right? <laughs>